Hello and welcome everyone to The Queer Experience. I am your host, as always, Eric Crumrine. I use he, they pronouns. And today we are diving in and talking about the world of high fantasy in television, specifically uh, Wheel of Time, House of the Dragon, and Rings of Power, all of which I have a lot of thoughts about. And I also brought some friends along who also have a lot of thoughts about all of these things. And I'm going to go down the line as I see you on my screen and just have y'all introduce yourselves. So if you want to give us your name, your pronouns, and maybe what's your favorite high fantasy book or TV show, just in general, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be those three, but whichever one is your favorite. Um, I'm going to put Chris on the spot right away. So Chris, you want to, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hello. I'm Chris. Pronouns are he, him. And um, thanks for having me back. I'm very excited to be here to talk about yeah. all things fantasy. Um, I would say, I guess a little more intro about who I am. Um, I'm during the working hours of the day, during the boring hours of the day, I work in tech. But then um, outside of that, I'm a huge fantasy fan. I write fantasy. I'm big into sci-fi as well, which the two of them, you know, collide a lot. Um, and if I were to choose something, maybe because I've read it the most recently, but I guess Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archives would be my number one choice of like favorite fantasy um, okay yeah which my my discord server that we have there the book section has literally turned into like a sanderson <laughs> fan discussion page <laughs> um awesome andrew if you'd like to introduce yourself sure uh my name is andrew uh my pronouns are he him uh thank you for having me on it's my first time on the podcast yeah. Um, really excited. I guess I didn't know we were going to talk about our day jobs, but my day job, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I work in wine. I'm a sommelier. I work for a, a really, very well known, uh, wine shop. Uh, and, uh, I have a focus in French wine, but I grew up being really interested in, in high fantasy, um, and in, uh, sci-fi as well. So it just kind of was always something I was attracted to. Um, when I would find things to read or games to play um, or Lego sets for my parents to buy, you know, it was always that kind of realm. Um, but Lord of the Rings was definitely uh, the intro for me. You know, my father read those books, like every single book from, from Tolkien and, uh, and then got me hooked with the Hobbit. So, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> awesome. And last but not least, Akash. Hi everyone. Uh, my name is Akash. I use they, them pronouns. Uh, my day job is as an environmental policy analyst. Um, and my introduction to fantasy came through, I don't know how many folks remember them, but the Redwall books. Mm, I know, I know of them. I never read them. I know of them. They're, um, they're so much fun. I don't know if they hold up because I haven't read them in, in, in like a decade or so, but, um, just that he would have like these pages and pages and pages of describing every single food item. Like he was one of those writers. Um, and it always made me super hungry. And there were like 30 of those books and I only read the ones where like the Abbey was a P Abbey was in and I'm like, if the Abbey is here, I'm going to get the food descriptions. Um, but I think what really drew me to fantasy aside from being hungry all the time um, was uh, I just felt like the world as it was was I think 
is hostile and very much limited in its imagination. Um, and the stuff that I was reading or watching just felt like it had, um, it just had more of an open invitation to thinking about the world in ways that really didn't come to me before reading fantasy. Nice. Yeah, I, so my first, I'll, I feel bad because like my, my thing, like my, my entry points into fantasy and sci-fi are all authors. Now that I look back on, I'm like, you're terrible. <laughs> like you as a human being were fucking awful. Um, like I have no problem talking shit about them. So uh, Ender's Game was one and fuck Orson Scott Card. I'll like, that's fine. He's a homophobic piece of shit. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna see how many things I can burn down in my in my podcast recording today. Um, and then the other, the one that really got me into stuff was um, it was a series called The Belgarid by David Eddings, um, and it was like five books. They were short and easy to get through. And like, I think uh, Akash, like you were saying, like it's you what you went back and you're like I don't know if it'll hold up. And like I went back and tried to reread them, and I was like, oh, this does not hold up well in 2022. <laughs> And like, I think at the time it was the cool, like it was, it was obviously like the most tropey thing, like prophecy boy gets a prophecy, doesn't want to be the prophecy boy, goes on adventure, meets ensemble casts, fights good and evil. Like, you know, like it couldn't have been more of like the framework, which probably at the time it was fresh and new, but not in present day. Um, But I think like my favorite fantasy thing now and maybe... I'm going to do what, what Chris did, which is like most recently. <laughs> um, I just, I finished the, um, the green bone saga by, uh, Oh God. Why am I going to Fonda Lee Fonda Lee? Yep. Um, which is Jade city, Jade legacy and Jade empire. Um, it's like a mix of fantasy Kung Fu and the Godfather. And it's so good. Um, but that's been like my, my one, I think as of late, cause, uh, Fonda is one who knows the ways to like hurt you emotionally, but then make you want to keep reading. And I, I love those authors. Um, which I think most of, uh, of the shows we're going to talk about has the dragon rings of power and wheel of time. A couple of them are really good about like, you know, punching you emotionally. Um, but I did have an important first question that I wanted to start off with, which is, so can we talk about which show is the gayest? And why it's real time. <laughs> because this is a queer experience. We have to talk about gay things. And I was thinking about getting ready for this. And I was like, wait, which show like had the most gay shit in it? And I was like, it was definitely wheel of time, which would not have been my guess based on having read some of the wheel of time. But I guess other, did other people have, I guess of, of the three of them, are there ones that stick out to you that have strong queer elements or things that, like, I don't want to. I want to project my assumptions onto other people. I mean, Wheel of Time is my weakest one of the, of like the three that you mentioned. So I mean, but I did watch it and I loved right. it, and it definitely is just based on what you see from watching all three of those shows, the gayest. Um, but my entry point was Tolkien, and I'm going to tell you that was definitely not not very gay at all. <laughs> No, and Ring of Power, Ring of, I don't, I think out of the three shows, I think Ring of Power was the one that didn't actually have any queer characters. Not, not, not that I could tell. No, I At mean, least they, that they have, identified. Yeah, they did have the like the 
you know, the show's version of like an interracial couple with like, you know, the elf and the human. And it was kind of like everyone looked down upon, you know, that relationship, which is still something that's very interesting to see that um, in fantasy where it's like there's that racial um, component, um, you know, that kind of draws from real the real world, you know, what actually did happen. But yeah, definitely no, no LGBT characters as far as I could see. Yeah. And then and what I guess, and I feel like we can collectively know, like, I mean, we can acknowledge that house of the dragon and let me, before I say anything about house of the dragon, let me just say that I, I intend to shit all over that show in this podcast because I did not like most of it. Wait, what? <laughs> The finale was great. I had lots of problems with everything else, but that show did have gay characters, but they were to- terrible to them. Like the show was terrible to, them. I mean, and I think by proxy, like George R. R. Martin was terrible to his queer characters, which then translated in the show being terrible to them. The show gave them a better, it gave the character a better ending. Ish. Even, even the ending is like, we're pushing you out of the show. <laughs> the, be- right. the best version of the gay ending of this was just like, you're just not going to exist on the show anymore. So like we have to I'm, write I'm you saying, off. I'm ready. I'm ready to pile on. To this. <laughs> I'm going to call it the house of dragons too. Multiple times, probably during the podcast. There's no way I'm going to call it the house of the dragon. Um, but that's another issue I have with it. I love how uh, Andrew got like, Andrew was like immediately offended. When I was like, I'm going to shit all over the show. And he's like, wait, What? <laughs> I mean, I loved the show. I mean, I did. I loved the show. And I think the reason I loved the show is because I did love Game of Thrones until Game of Thrones ran out of George, you know, until the producers ran out of George R. R. Martin's like actual written books and had to make up the script at that point and make up the plot line. And, and, you know, and then I think this, that's why I like fell in love with this. Cause I was like, Oh my God, it feels like, the first couple seasons of game of thrones again you know like because there is source material however i will agree with you george R. R. martin is not great to his gay characters i don't care that there was a somewhat happy ending at the end of the show with like you know him going off with his lover you know to a different land still the same thing kind of happened happened in you know the early seasons of game of thrones there's a prominent you know gay couple in the show and one of the men gets completely like Mur- murder the word you're looking for I is dead. <laughs> i was about to be like disemboweled beheaded whatever you want to say i don't know but like you know they divorced just, they... beheaded <laughs> no no survive no surviving george R. R. martin's queer characters do not survive i i think i i fall into the camp of i i think my structural problem with house of the dragon which i overall love uh it's in my it's in my top 10 um is is I think George R. R. Martin has a sort of bizarre relationship with what he considers to be historical accuracy. And I think a part of his version of historical accuracy is drawn from the old um uh, scholarship around the medieval ages, around like it being the dark ages, it's like everyone was dying and it was like terrible. And I'm like, well, everyone dies all the time and the world is always terrible. So like, okay, well there's that. Um but over the last about, I think, couple of decades, a lot of scholarship has come out on the medieval era that has like really refuted um, the that assumption that heavily, I think, forms the basis of George R. R. Martin's work. Um, if folks are interested uh, in this topic, and I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, um, I'm going to plug my friend's book. Uh, they wrote a dissertation 
um, on uh, Game of Thrones and medievalism, the misapplication and the correct application of medievalism. Um, and the book is called, well, Medievalism uh, by Shiloh <laughs> Carroll. Um, highly recommend it. Um, and we will, I think, I'll make sure, oh, go ahead. I say we'll, we'll make sure we put that like in the show notes so folks can can find that. Um, so feel free to like, shoot that to me Matt, afterwards and we can we can plug it in. But, but yeah, I hear what, yeah. yeah and, I, and I hear what you're saying though, like, George R. R. Martin specifically, I think of the th- of the three worlds that we we are like looking at. I mean, obviously, like Rings of Power, like it stuff wasn't great. Like the world wasn't great. Like there was a lot of tra- like there was a lot of turmoil, a lot of things. And I feel like in a, in a lot of these shows, like you have to have conflict and turmoil. Otherwise, like why are we watching it? Like if it's just like a happy show the entire time. But I think like in the levels of like the world, actually, that I'm saying like the levels at which like the world itself is terrible. Rings of Power might actually be the one that's kind of like the better of the th- like if you had to pick one to live in, it might be the better one, depending on what area you're in and what location you're like. If you get like the Shire, like you're set. Well, um, see, hold up. Uh, that also depends on your race because, like, if you're an elf, yeah. just go off and live in like you know paradise. But like everybody else, <laughs> right? Everyone else, like you're. I mean, again, hobbits, you're living in, like cute little like houses in the hillsides, like those. Except in Rings of Power, they're trudging around and just leaving everyone to die if they can't keep up, which is fucking brutal. It was terrible. <laughs> there is... I, I feel like if, if I had to... Um, if I had to pick one place off the top of my head to live in, I would have to say it would be the uh, the city of Bravos in, in the Game of Thrones universe. It's... I mean, mm. George Armand's like ripping off Venice. And I'm like, this seems cool. Um, there's like the theater. Um... And they seem to never be at war. <laughs> so this sounds great. Right. They're just chilling. They're just having a good time. I, I think that was, that was the, that was like right basically where like, it was very sex positive and very like, am I, or am I picking the wrong place? I feel like that's the place, right? That's a different place. That's, okay. uh, that's Dorne, which um, if there yes. are any folks who only watch the show, please read the books instead. Cause they, botched it in the show horrifically but yeah and i i do think i mean i think like looking again looking at the three the world's kind of constructed the way they are obviously like i feel like obviously the obvious one like house of the dragon i feel like is like categorically the the worst place that you could pot like if you were to live somewhere like it's and and maybe that's why go like in the time frame that i was watching it and like my viewing of things I almost like, I think the reason that if it was Andrew or Akash that said like that, the reason you really loved it was felt like you were going back to like original ga- like game of Thrones, like from like seasons one or two, it was Andrew pointing it. it was, yep. I think for, I think maybe for me, the reason it didn't resonate in the same way for me is because I, I, I didn't need that again. Like I didn't need the brutality. I didn't need the like, I don't know. I feel like Game of Thrones up to season three, when you get to the Red Wedding, like it is brutal. And like, there's some shock value murders and whatnot. And then like, after that, when people are like, oh God, like everyone talked about like Ned getting beheaded and like the, the Red Wedding so much, like we have to keep doubling and tripling down on this idea that like everything is shock value murder. And like the shock value stuff that they put into like House of the Dragon, just every time I was like, I can feel you doing it for shock value. I can feel you doing it to like get a rise out of me. And like, if I had to see like one more woman die during birth, like childbirth, like I was like, I don't, 
again, like I get the brutality of the, of the, the world, but it was, I think it was hard to reorient myself into that after I had been in wheel of time. And after I was like, while I was watching it alongside rings of power, cause those worlds felt so different by contrast. I guess I was just going to say like, yeah, I think house of dragons, um, I think they just <laughs> didn't really make me care about the characters. Like we went through so many like different, you know, time jumps and that's fine. Cause they wanted to go to towards the, you know, the end of it, sort of the last like couple episodes. But I mean, I just didn't care <laughs> in the midway point. I feel like it started off really good and I really liked it. And I was really excited to get back into it because I love Game of Thrones, you know, minus the last two seasons. But then the midway point, it just like felt like, I don't know, the math wasn't mathing. <laughs> it was just like, here's, here's more brutality, like you were saying, but also it didn't matter to me. Like, why do I care? But then what got worse uh, is just the incest. Like, we have to talk about the incest. And everyone was everyone was just rooting for it. I was like, why? <laughs> why are we all rooting for this? And then that's not the case in Game of Thrones. I feel like they weren't the couple that you rooted for. Um, totally forgot their names now. Um, uh, Cersei and Jamie, which I feel like I feel like I went back and forth. There were times there were a couple of spots during Game of Thrones. I was like, OK, like, I get it. <laughs> like, you was like weird brother, sister power couple. It's gross. It's whatever. But like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm not advocating for it, but like I did like I, I was invested was like in their seasons. It was like, yeah, you were invested because right. it's like seasons of like character work and actual like development and stuff versus here. I mean, first of all, it was different actors over, I mean, one different actor because Matt Smith didn't age, obviously, but um, <laughs> there was there was that. So I don't know. I just feel like the middle point didn't make sense to me. And then the, at the end, I was a little more invested for sure. Um, but yeah. I mean, oh, let's let's be fair. I'm going to just be honest. I, I was never rooting for the incest in Game of Thrones ever. <laughs> I did not like Cersei. I hated her every season. I wanted her to die so badly like and that may be controversial i know there are people who are probably going to listen to this and be like oh my god why would you say that like cersei was an amazing character i hated her okay she was a straight up bitch and i (laughs) did not want her to live any longer and i felt like she lived too long through that series so i was not a fan of the incest to begin with well she died in a construction accident so (laughs) which you know (laughs) i'm gonna but carry on. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you. I can't with the way that ended. I was like, "This is how she dies." I was like, "That's not justice." I'm like, "What is this?" Right. I feel like regardless of how you felt about Cersei, like at the end of it, her death was not. It it was not war. Like it did not give me the satisfaction of like what she deserved because she should have gone fucking down. And I loved Cersei. I loved her as a character. I was I rooted for her when she set the entire church on fire. I was like, yes. You know, burn it that, to the ground. <laughs> that was the one time I rooted for her. Okay. That was the one time. Because that was an uh, amazing scene. But Akash, it looked like you were trying to yeah. say something. I mean, yeah, I I um I think with the with the incest stuff, I think part of that I can't say that I'm like rooting for any couple on House of the Dragon. Um, I'm like, you should all separate and get therapy if that exists in your <laughs> world. None of this is healthy. <laughs> um, 
um, except me for like Lena and Carl. Um, but the and so the incest stuff, I think it's it's just icky. Um, but to me, it's just kind of funny, like just being a real like history nerd, um, and just like watching The Crown um, this latest season, Jesus Christ, but that's not fantasy. Um, and I was just like, it was just like a lot of inbred people. And that's just funny to me um, in the context of like royalty or like whatever, like the, the purity moniker is. Um, but with like, yeah, people on the internet rooting for different couples of just like incest kind of just feels like that's maybe the inevitability of internet shipping culture where I'm like, 50% of these are wildly unhealthy <laughs> in like right. three different ways. There's, there's nothing good coming out of this. No, not at all. Um, I think where the other part, I feel like the, the interesting thing about each of these shows from a, from a television structural writing perspective, um, where I think each of them has a very specific flaw um, with House of the Dragon, since we we're talking about it, um, it's it kind of goes back to like George R. R. Martin's, I think, misapplication of historical accuracy. Where he's like, okay, well, then for three years, nothing happened, and then this happened, this, this happened, and then like nothing happened. And I'm like, sure, like historically, sometimes that happens within like ruling families where nothing happens for three years, and then like a, sh- a ton happens in like one year. But I'm like, if, if you're going to translate this into like an adaptation structure, which is clearly something he was going for, then you need to change it in a way where you can have like a certain number of things that are quote unquote like television exciting happen within one time frame. Like ideally, I think he should have restructured it to where the first season was just the younger characters you have the time skip and then we start season two with the older ones. So it's not as jarring. I could see the, um, I could see the writer's room being like, Oh my God, she's, she's how old now? Like, <laughs> and this is like not the question you should be like, you should not be like 15. Okay. Well, this 15. Okay. Well, does he look 15? You know, like I can just see those, like just the writing of it being hobbled by that. Um, and then the Rings of Power, I in in the Hollywood Reporter interview where the showrunners uh, revealed that they had zero IMDb writing credits, and I lost my shit. Um, I, um, my partner and I were away in a lock weekend, and he just like looked over at me and he's like, "Are you, are you okay?" Like it's, and I'm like, "Let me tell you um, about this thing that you have no investment in." But I I think that shows where from episode like there's certain moments in that show from a writing perspective that I thought were very beautifully done. Um yeah. in particular the scene where the Harfoots are walking um and then they're singing the song and then the camera slowly moves out. Um and I think what I loved about that is it goes to the original one of the original things that drew me into fantasy as a genre in the first place. It was like starting out in a really small place and then having your imagination just like exponentially grow. And they achieved that with like one single scene. And then in the next scene, I was just like, oh, we're here again. And so there was like, I think structurally, 
um, there wasn't enough like definition to right. like the character arcs and stuff was just happening um, in a way where I was like, I understand you're doing this as a weekly release schedule, but the, how they wrote it just felt like it was like a stream binging show. So it created a lot of, for me, um, it's, it sort of felt like it like ended and started in like the wrong places every time, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can feel like it almost like you, you shot it as like one long thing and then had to like, like when I edit our actual plays and I'm like, oh, I have to find a midpoint and here's, okay, we're at an hour and a half. What, okay, I guess I'll cut it here-ish. Um, but I was, I think Rings of Power was my, I think out of the three was like my second favorite. Wheel of Time was my favorite. I'll put that out there. I think Andrew said it was his weakest one, but like I ate that shit up. I ate up every episode. I loved it. Um I think for me, I think Rings of Power, the big thing for me that I loved about the show, I think was, and I, I do think there's like some of the arcs I could, like if they cut out certain story arcs, I would have been like, whatever, I don't care. But like, I thought, and I'm going to mess up names because I'm that person who messes up names on everything. But the relationship between the like Elven Prince and the Dwarf was like that, like beautiful like non-toxic masculine bromance that the two of them had was I thought it was so well done. And like the kind of remarkings um, from the dwarf, I, again, I forget it. Like I'm going to, I'll have some, if someone remembers his name, shout it out. But I, I remember his wife, princess Disa, because she's everything and I will die for her. Um, But I, I, I appreciate that like sentiment of like the elf kind of coming and going and for him, time is almost nothing because he's going to live for so long. And like the conversations they had, where it's like, you've been gone for five years. Like, where have you been? Do you not, do you not value our friendship? And he's like, I don't, I don't understand. Like I'm, you are one of my best friends in the entire world. I've only been gone for like a short while. Um, yeah. It, it was just like, I thought some of those, some of those things were so well done in the show that like I was drawn into the character's sometimes even more so than like what whatever the story was but i thought the character arcs in that were were so good um and it, like a lot of the scenery and everything was like the the cities were beautiful the the way they told i think the like again i think like akash was saying if i would have if you watch it just start to finish like in a day it probably feels like a like a lord of the rings marathon where you just like binge the entire thing and like oh like there's a whole story in one thing but yeah the weekly things were like oh it just ended oh okay <laughs> I guess next week we're picking up somewhere else. That's cool. Yeah, I think that the structure could have been a little better. I mean, it was a good structure overall, but um, and uh, you were you were talking about um, Elrond and Durin. Um, yes. And the thing, so here's so here's the thing. Like, I liked Ring of Powers, uh, Rings of Power. See now, now I did. You, see, Chris, <laughs> you mentioned like mispronouncing, like you know, House sorry. of the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, all of these names could be better. <laughs> they, they all could. You know what? If it's House of the Dragon, just call it Dragon Tales. That's what I called it throughout the whole season. Um, so, so Rings of Power. Like, here's here's the thing that like really bugs me is that um, Amazon and they did this to themselves. Amazon didn't get the rights to the Silmarillion, um, so they didn't get the rights to the actual story about how all of the things that we're watching in this show 
you know, happened and how we got to the third age where we all know as the Lord of the Rings trilogy that we all saw in theaters and the whole world was like, what the fuck is this? You know, like everybody ate it up because it was amazing. But they, but they had the rights. Like Peter Jackson had the rights to all of that. You like, he was able to make that like all three books, no problem. But Amazon, they went to the Tokina estate and the Tokina estate said, sure, you can have his notes. Like you can have his, his notes on, the Silmarillion on all the things and literally more than the Silmarillion. It's like, they were like, they just were like, you can have his notations, his letters, you know, to the publicists at the time. That's all great information to have. But then when you know what the real story is, this is where it becomes really troubling. Cause you're like watching things happen and you're like, but wait a second, how did we get from here to here? Because that person was never here or that person should have already been there and should be gone by now. Like there were things that happened that made absolutely no sense. If you actually have read the source material, but it's because they don't have the source. They don't have the rights to it. And it doesn't matter if they know what it is. They can't recreate it because they don't have the rights to it. And it could then all of a sudden be a whole lawsuit, yada, yada, you know, like, cause now it looks like you just use the source material, even though you may know it on your head, they can't use it. So I, that that's what bugged me the most. And I think, that may have contributed a little bit to the jumping around kind of thing, you know, where it's like you stopped an episode and you just feel like you're starting somewhere else completely different. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I know that thoughts. like, as I, as I watched ring, as I watched the rings of power, like I was, I was enjoying it. Like the, every episode I was like, Oh, this is so fun. Like this is, and, and again, I also put this in context. I was watching it alongside house of the dragon, which I was like this fucking show every week. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I mean, Chris knows I was DMing Chris during most of the episode. I'd be like, I'm not watching next week. Fuck this show. And what I was like, if they, I was like, if they kill the fucking gay character, I'm out. I'm done. And then they were just like, all right, we'll send him off to some foreign land somewhere where he can like live with his like all of his men's is. And I was like, all right, okay, I guess I'll keep watching because at least he's going to get dick. And that's cool. Uh, <laughs> like, but like for me, and I, I think for me, I think ring, Rings of Power I was enjoying a lot of the, I enjoyed a lot of the narrative and a lot of the story that we got. And what I found was my friends who were very, very invested in the the actual source material hated every episode. <laughs> like I have a couple of friends on Twitter, every, every whatever date came out like that, like they're just like, Oh my God, this is the worst. Oh my God. They're ruining, to- like they're ruining everything. And I was like, I don't get it. It seems fine. It's fun. Um, and I think that's because for me, like I, I will, I will bravely say it in the space of uh, the three of you plus all of our listeners that will be tuning in, I am unable to read Tolkien. I can't. I have tried. I, <laughs> I have given it as much of an effort as I possibly can, and I think I, I read fellow. I've started Fellowship of the Ring four different times, and I've gotten a little bit further every time, and that's as far as I've gotten. I don't know what it is about his writing that I can't click with, but I've, I I can't like the source material for me just doesn't, it's not there. So I don't have that, that point of comparison. So I was just like, Oh, it's a fun fantasy fantasy show. Um, and the whole time I was just like, where's Gandalf and where's Sauron? I just want to know who they are. Um, and then they revealed Sauron and I was like, Oh, I have feelings about this man. I will, like, I will, I will do bad things for you, sir. Can we, can we, can we, I don't know. Does this, does this episode come with like spoilers warnings? Can we actually talk oh, about Oh yeah. I mean, this? if okay. you're listening to this episode, you haven't watched these shows. I'm sorry. Like, okay. 
<laughs> that's on you. That's not on us. Okay. All right. All right. Fair, fair. I figured like, but you know, I didn't want to just like jump into like details, but like that thing with Sauron bugged the shit out of me. It's like, oh, he's there. He's, he's there making the three rings where he's supposed to be helping to make three of the rings. What about all the other fucking rings? It's like, where the hell, like, then he disappears. It's like, they're not made. Where are they? He was supposed to make them there. Like it's, there's just all these continuity problems. And like, if you actually think about it, like you, you mentioned how like people who read the books are getting really upset, you know, and like, don't like, you know, and I get it. Totally understand it. Like I haven't read all the books, but I know enough. So like there are things that bug me. Um, but like, all you have to do is watch, uh, is watch, you know, is watch um, uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Like just the first words the monologue like that starts the whole thing and you're sitting there if you watch that after watching rings of power and you should have it click in your head and go the dude left and didn't make any more than three rings does this make sense to anybody no it doesn't well don't worry in season two we'll cut to him at a different shop somewhere making but that's not what happened So I think so. Speaking of, of continuity, because we haven't touched on on Wheel of Time at all, um, other than to say it's really fucking gay and I love it, um, and I would die for Roseman Pike because she was everything, and the fact that she was she was banging the other woman, I was like, yes, I love this. I don't think that that was canonical from the book, but like, I love that they're just banging. That's great. Um, again, gayest of the three shows, but like, so I. And I will own this on the podcast. I will own this for the public to hear. So I inadvertently semi-spoiled and ruined a little bit of the show for Andrew and his husband because I had read the first three books. And for anyone who read the books, the books are written from Rand's perspective. And it's not really like a big secret that he's like this prophesized dragon reborn person. And so when they announced the casting and I was going through stuff and I was like, oh, yeah, like this person's super cool. The like this is the main character and like he goes on to like he's literally like the character through the whole thing and then episode one happens and they're like who is the dragon reborn it could be one of these five people and I went son of a bitch <laughs> well there was that inadvertently I mean, spoiled the, the single big plot twist that they were going for in the show I mean to be fair even having that spoiled it was a lot of fun watching the show so um but I think one thing, and, I, and Chris, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one to you because I know we've talked a lot about uh, our love of like magic systems and magic in things. For me, of of the three, I think I liked part of the reason I like Wheel of Time the most is because we actually got to see magic in like a real meaningful way, as opposed to like House of the Dragon, where it's like weird and unexplained. It's like, oh, this lady in Game of Thrones is going to give birth to like a dragon, like a smoke monster, but we're not going to explain like why uh rings of power you get like you get some but it's not a ton and then wheel of time has a incredibly intricate magic system um so chris talk to me about like what i, I i'm gonna put you on the spot because i don't know if you actually enjoyed the magic system in that show or not but what what were your thoughts on kind of like how magic came out in wheel of time yeah so i walked like wheel of time is the one show out of the three shows that we're talking about that i started knowing like having no expectations because i had not i've not read any of the books so i didn't know anything about the backstory i didn't know anything about it versus the other two i'm like very familiar with you know previous work and all that so that was the one show that i walked in 
with like, okay, let's see what this is. This could be fun. And then the first episode just hits you with the magic system. I'm just like, okay, this is really, really cool. And it really reminded me of, because um, I, I was watching it while I was reading the Stormlight Archives. So it really reminded me of the magic system there a little bit, just in the sense of I could just visualize it when I was reading the Brandon Sanderson books. I could visualize the magic. And I feel like Wheel of Time went a lot on the visuals, especially like at the beginning, I feel like. And they were like, here's how it works. And, and just... Just her whole, you know, aura of, like, how she was moving and everything. It was just very, I was very into it. And it's something that, like you said, was not in any of the other two shows. I feel like Rings of Power, I mean, I feel like House of Dragon was like, we have dragons here, but we're not going to use them. And <laughs> until the final episode, when we will fucking, like, murder children yeah. with them. <laughs> Yes. Because <laughs> that's what the show decided to do with the dragons, was, like, murder a child. Versus, like, yeah, Wheel of Time was just like, we have magic, and we're going to introduce it in the first episode, and you're going to see it, and you're going to actually experience the magic system. Um, versus, like, yeah, also Rings of Power was more... I feel like just out of the three, Wheel of Time was much more, like, a visual show. Like, here's something that was adapted into a TV show, because it there's a lot of things that you could do visually. Like Game of Thrones, there's dragons, but you know, at some point it's just dragons. There's no there's not a lot of like movements on the screen besides that. Um so I really like what they did there. I'm not at all familiar with, like I said, with the source material, so I don't know how it compares, but I also started it having a feeling that Rand was gonna be like the one. I feel like it was a little obvious at first and then they threw some curveballs, but yeah. Well, and like, and let's and and let's let's be very honest and and open uh, in this space together. Like, he was a pretty white boy. Like, he was gonna be like yes. <laughs> in a show of like diverse cast members. Like, he was the pretty white boy. I was like, oh, he's like the most bland farm boy looking one of the crew. It has to be him. Like that, obviously. Like, I mean, I I guess it's unfair because I knew it was gonna be him, but still, like, and my brain, I, I was watching it be like, ooh, what if they fucked it up though? Like, what if they just made it the girl instead for funsies? Like, that would be cool. I'm getting off track. But the I think back to Chris talking about the ma- like the magic system. I think one thing that will be interesting down the line, the magic system is super, super, super gendered. And like it's when you tap into the mat, like when you tap into the stream of magic that exists in the world, there's like the female side, the male side. And part of the reason that men don't do magic is because the male side has been like tainted by like the dark one who died and like tainted the whole thing. And then when they, when men that are able to do magic, touch it, like touch it and get into it. Like they go crazy. And then that's why the Aes Sedai, like the red, the red sister specifically exists is to like go find them and then murder them before they destroy the world. Um, because like their mythos is like a man cracked the world because he got too deep in power and went crazy. Um, very, very cliff nose version of a very big world. This is like, there's like 15 books, I think for the whole wheel of time. I've read like three of them. Um, but I do think I'll be curious to see how the show goes forward. And if they're able to play with the gender stuff a bit, because I think they're breaking those walls down already with some of the ways that they were like the fact that it could have been a woman as a dragon reborn was a big thing that I think a lot of Robert Jordan fans like saw that and were like, wait a second, hold up. Like not like, I guess not for me. Cause I was like, I know it's Rand and I know we're going to get there eventually, but it was a cool idea that you could, it could have been different people. Um, and then the Aes Sedai themselves, like the, 
the colors and the, all the different ways that magic presents itself and like the the goals of each of them. It's I mean it's it's your prior to the magic gather like the magic sorting into houses vibes of everything we've gotten now. Like that was like the process of becoming an Aes Sedai is very like fascinating to me. And like when they, it's a little bit later in one of the books, like one of the characters will go into that process and you get to see it go through and like, how do you end up in one of the colors and what does that mean? Um, And so I love like the layers to all of that. Yeah. I think just just something I like remember more about the magic, especially like the beginning is I think what they did so well is it felt like this big epic fantasy and we were going through like different literal areas like i think in the one of the early episodes is when they went to the city that was like abandoned and darkness like was taking over and i was just so obsessed with that whole scene when darkness started taking over and i was like this is this is really cool this is world building at you know some of its finest and i just feel like that's something that was missing from the other shows in terms of magic um the way that they were just introducing new and different types of cultures, I guess, or it was just like a city that was abandoned and you're just like, why? And then you walk in and then we get the, the obvious like intro into, Oh, okay. Darkness took them basically. And then it literally did. And that yeah. was just like really, really cool for me. Yeah. Um, Andrew or Akash, I don't know. Do you like, what are, what were your kind of general thoughts on, on wheel of time or magic or, mm-hmm. or whatever? I think each of these um, shows, well, it's in House and The Wheel of Time, like hit very specific, like fantasy, like fangirl corners for me in a way that Rings of Power didn't. Um, I feel like I I did decline to review the second season of The Rings of Power. Uh, I think I'm gonna, I'm curious to see if that will like impact my enjoyment. Because I specific, deliberately um, did not read any of the background material, um, just to see like if that. Because I feel like, especially with adaptations, um, and there's a couple of spots with House of the Dragon where they're like, oh, "If you read the book," and I'm like, "Okay, well, you can't expect people to have read the book that you're making changes to anyway." Like. Then, who is that? Oh, his name's Eric. His brother's name is Eric. George. <laughs> I just had to yell at George because Eric and Eric, and I'm like, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and they're identical twins who drew. And if and if we if we dive down on like George R. R. Martin's naming conventions, like I could go on an entire three hour podcast tirade about how. Mm-hmm. In the books, he has Asha and Osha, and they had to change one of the characters' mm-hmm. names in the show so he wouldn't be confused. Like his naming conventions are not good. Yeah, I think it's it's again that um, it, it's the weird like commitment to like historical and accurate like accuracy. But I'm like, okay, well, I understand there's like 14 Louis, but also if I was reading a series about all the Louises, I would prefer that one of them was like Frederick or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, or whatever the French equivalent of Frederick is. Um, I, cause I think the, there are specific like lore points in the rings of power where I, I felt like I'm like, okay, well there's something here 
that I'm supposed to know and have no idea what's happening. Um, and my best friend would text me after <laughs> um, she had seen the episode being like, okay, well, that's his name. Uh, he did this. And in this note of the Cimmerillion, I'm like, thank you. I had no idea who that was. Um, and I think part of the, part of what I really enjoyed in the Wheel of Time, I, I originally didn't, not having read the books, particularly because there were like 15 of them. And I'm like, sir, well, you know, um, <laughs> it's like, it's like, some, go ahead. Nick. I say, but like, I was like, at least, at least the Wheel of Time is finished. We got to give that one it's the credit. Like, yeah. I mean, granted, like Robert Jordan, like, unfortunately, like died before the series could finish, but like he left enough copious notes that like, I just think it was, it was Sanderson, Brandon Sanderson and one of Robert Jordan's kids. I think it was his son, maybe that like helped, but like the two of them, I think teamed up to like, write like finish out the story, which I'm like, God, like George R. R. Martin girl what are you doing <laughs> that's that's never getting finished i'm just gonna say it. it's never getting finished. it's never gonna get done um but yeah i just but want yeah, the next ahead. one where all the shit goes down um yeah i think it's um with the wheel of time when i not having read the books um especially after the initial success of game of thrones i think i just got like a little wary of all of the like fantasy adaptations that were coming out where on one hand, I'm like, okay, for anybody who's read these books that were maybe like more like genre or more niche, and they're like, well, everyone's getting a TV show now. Like, you know, I'm happy for the people who like the books. Um, but like how many of these are like stories that have like thought put into them or how many of them are like, well, we want a Game of Thrones too. Um, and I'm like, even Game of Thrones couldn't sustain Game of Thrones. And they had to, and this one at least, at least House is a whole new team with like women on it, and which is an improvement. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but with Wheel of Time, the first time I, it felt to me um, a little cheap is not the right word, but it felt like very like grade B, like fleeting. Um, and then, um, and as honestly, in the first episode, I was mostly thinking that Ros- like about how Rosamund Pike was cheated out of the career that she deserved after Gone Girl. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I, I can't think about that right now. Then I, after, I think um, like a few months later, a few months after the, the season finished, um, went back and actually watched it. And I enjoyed the, the magic system element of it. Um, I enjoyed the like co- more cohesive world building um, a lot more. Um, with House, I think I particularly enjoyed the, like, as I've gotten older, um, I've become much more interested in, like, you know, that infamous George R. R. Martin quote, like, what was Aragorn's tax policy? And I'm sure he regrets ever saying that, um, because he will not, because people will ask him about it until, like, his <laughs> dying day. <laughs> but I, I enjoy the... Um, sort of like the the complexity and the bureaucracy uh, as well as the magic system. And I feel like for me, like the Wheel of Time had the magic system, House of the Dragon is of the bureaucracy stuff. So that like both of them together hit the sweet spot for me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious to see, because I, 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 I know what happens in House of the Dragon for the most part, um, but I, I have no idea where Wheel of Time is going. Um, and yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. 
that's that's what interests me too about Wheel of Time is that I have no idea about the source material as it's already been mentioned. Eric spoiled a part of it for me, um, which was I'm so still fine. Sorry. Oh, it was still fine. I, I still really enjoyed the show, but uh, you know, I, I, I also am interested in that for that fact that like, I have no idea about this. I have not read a single one of these books and yet I do want to know what happens next. I am, inv- I am vested in it. I am excited about what comes next. Um, but uh, trying to remember, um, I just wanted to, because it, Akash, you had said that, um, you know, you had mentioned how like with like rings of power, like something would happen with somebody and then your friend would be like, oh, well, this is so-and-so and this is what happened, you know, and this is why they're there and all that. And that's something too, that I think is interesting. Like, you know, all three of these shows that we're talking about, like their source material they're working off of and whether it's unfinished source material George R. R. Martin um, <laughs> will forever be unfinished. Um, whether it's notes uh, about the actual source material, you were told no, you don't get the rights to, uh, which is what Amazon did <laughs> with Rings of Power, um, or if it's actually having the complete, you know, the rights to the whole uh, of it. Um, you know, it really also does come down to like the stylistic choices of the producers and the directors and like what they're going to make out of it. You know, um, Amazon has the full rights to wheel of, uh, of time and what they produced was really good, but they don't have the full rights to the actual storyline. They're trying to recreate for rings of power and they haven't done a great job with it, but they could have like, they could have done better. Like they're going to have to take liberties because they don't have all the source material, but I was thinking about that because Akash had mentioned, like, I didn't know who this was. My friend mentioned, like, oh, this is so and so, blah blah blah. Just look at, just look at the Lord of the Rings movies. The first thing you get is, funny enough, same main character, you know, or not in that in that you know that trilogy, but like now she's the main character. You had Galadriel. You had her voice telling you the story of the rings, how this all came to be, what happened. It was summarized. It was quick. It was to the point, but it gave you just enough information that everybody who went to the movie theater who had never, and you know that the vast majority of people who went to the movies to see the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy never read those books, but they all got it. Like they completely understood it. And the story was told well. everything was cohesive you weren't lost, even though there's extended editions that exist to give you those filled in gaps that you don't even realize you were missing because everything was done so well. So like in the end, having the source material or not having the source material, like it's really down on the producers at a certain point. And it's like, are you doing a good job or you're not like, obviously producers for the first game of Thrones series, terrible. Like they had it until they didn't have source material, which means you're terrible at your job. Because you should have been able to come up with something that felt like it continued the storyline and fit in perfectly, but you're terrible at your job, so it didn't. Um, and I, well, I, I and, think that's you know, yeah. And for and for Game of Thrones, I think the chat like I mean not to like not to go back on Game of Thrones and like revisit all those because we all know this, but like I think the big for me, I think the big challenge that that show ran into was that they when they had the roadmap, they could follow the roadmap, and I think the showrunners later were like, yeah, this was like our first thing, and you're like. I, what have you never done this before and then you like flip a table because you're like well apparently i could just like 
apply to be a showrunner for a TV show on HBO and like give be given millions of dollars. It's fine. But like the hard part was they got to a point where they couldn't take full creative control because they had to end in a certain space, but they weren't given the gap to fill in. Cause George R. R. Martin came in and was like, okay, this is how, this is who gets the throne. This is who does this. This is how this ends. Like, let me give you the, the ending and now you've got like two to three seasons to fill stuff in. Good I mean, luck, Godspeed. I'm out. Like, GR, you know, GRRM, deuces, I gotta go. I mean, that's fair. But like, you know, and I know that that's true too with like with the Game of Thrones series. But like, come on. Like, you have two whole seasons to work with. You know the ending is going to be, you know, I know that one of them was absolutely that Jon Snow was who he was. Um, right. But if George R. R. Martin had been like, oh, by the way, you know, also like she dies, like mother of dragons, she's gone. Like know well, that everybody was rooting for her, but she's gone. Like she goes crazy and she's gone. Then why does she go crazy in the last episode? You had two seasons to build up to her going crazy. Now it just looks like this came out of nowhere. Now we're just sitting here going, what the fuck? Like, she was sane an episode ago, and now she's crazy? I'm sorry. The bells. The bells, Andrew. The bells. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, and the also, like... bells. The the bells. I mean, and... And I think we'll, we'll, this will be our last thing about game, like the actual Game of Thrones. Then we'll go back to our actual topic. Um, the other problem is like, because they didn't get, they didn't get the ending until much later in the show. They never had the chance to build that from the jump. Right. Like if you would have known from episode one, that Daenerys was going to go crazy. You start building that slowly over all the seasons. In episode one, you start leaving small little crumbs that Jon Snow, like you start leaving us those tidbits to get us to that point when then they had like two seasons to make. All right, here's all the crumbs you're supposed to give you over seven seasons. We're going to do it in two. Lol, we didn't care about the final season. We literally had to like edit, re-edit out a Starbucks cup from someone's like chair. Oh God, I remember that. Anyway. Let's talk about diversity in high, in, in high fantasy and why uh, <laughs> white people are terrible sometimes and complain too much about things that aren't actually a problem. <laughs> and maybe and maybe that's the the end. Maybe that's the only statement. But I don't like I I still can't. I mean, and I'm going to say this: like I I I understand where people with or ra- well, racist people. I understand where racist people come from and how they have those viewpoints. But at the same time, I also struggle in the idea of like, you are living in this vast world with all of the stuff. You have dragons, you have magic, you have a lady who gave birth to a smoke demon for no reason. You have like rings of power. Like you have like, you have a world where people can go to fucking paradise and live forever, but make a character black. And suddenly like, we've lost all reality about this show. And you're like, I I'm taken out of the fantasy. Like I don't, my brain has an inability to like fully wrap itself around the idea that like you can take in all of these elements of things, but this one character choice has like left you like people. I mean, and, and rings of power. I don't, I don't know if it happened as much with, with princess Disa, but when like her character, you know, like, are you kidding me? Like she's amazing. Oh no, it happened with rings of power. And I think it started not with her, but with, like the elf and elf. the human relationship and everyone was oh. like a black elf. And it's like, 
okay, people, you need to calm down. There's a couple things here. Number one, um, <laughs> Tolkien never actually wrote about race with the exception of like actual like race of humans, race of elves, race of dwarfs. Like that was your defining line. He didn't talk about skin color. So like y'all need to sit down and shut up. We fans. Had, I mean, we I'm, gonna, had, I'm doing uh, I know no one's going to see it, but I'm doing air quote. You're fans. fans. Um, and then the second thing was just like, you know, it is fantasy. Like, I'm sorry. It, it's it's all make-believe. So, like, if you have a problem with something that's make-believe, stop stop being vested in, in storylines that are make-believe then. Go read, an, uh, you know, a biography. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Right. Just, like, go, go read Lord of the Rings and shut your mouth. I mean, even um, a certain someone who currently owns Twitter, I'm not going to mention his name, was oh, calling... Right, he, he, might, he might shut my account down if you do that. Yeah, he might be listening. He, he called Rings of Power too woke, and he was just, like, tagging Amazon Prime, just like, y'all went too woke and whatever. And I just find it so so fascinating watching this because, you know, I grew up watching TV ever since I was a kid, and we didn't have, like, social media, and I feel like not to get too philosophical, but social media has ruined how we consume like television. We even have like TikTok where people just call it content nowadays instead of like an actual TV show. And it just bugs me so much when people call it content. Um, but yeah, so it was like, I think there was a lot of outrage towards Rings of Power and all of it was completely nonsensical and racist and awful. And I don't, I, I, like, I can't even imagine what makes you feel like yeah, you know, this should have this character should have been white. Like what gives you that authority as someone you didn't even write it or anything. So yeah. it's just so fascinating to me mm-hmm. to, to see that. Uh quick note, just a real quick thing. Uh I'm not gonna not gonna mention his name either, but it's kind of ironic that a man who comes from Dutch heritage that took over a place in Africa that had, you know, a whole nother race of people living and then enslaved them is the one who makes the comment about the fact that there's a black person in a TV show. But sure, go right ahead. You you just keep making those comments, sir. I won't say his name, but go ahead. I think what one of the more like immediately horrific elements of this is I, for, I mean I think for, first and foremost I just feel bad for all the actors who get like har- um, harassed off of social media um, there's like Ismail Cruz Cordova uh, who played um, oh my god what was his name he's the hot elf on Lord of the Rings so Rings of Power Aaron Deer Aaron Deer okay thank you um and um, like on his account, or they're like, "Oh, there's Nazanin Boniadi um, on House of the Dragon." Um, you know the like the Valerian family, and it just it it feels bad because like for so many of these actors, um, especially because I, I I like the, and I'm sure part of it's like cost where they don't go for a lot of like really big names. Um, but I like that they get more like character actors who have not been in like major stuff like that. I think it just it's better and they get like a real shot. Um, and for some folks, like this is the biggest role of their career so far. And instead of being like, oh my God, I'm on like Game of Thrones or whatever, like this is so awesome. And then they end up having to like delete their Twitter account um, because people are like, well, the show's ruined for me now. And I'm like, okay, well, it's not even out yet. So that's one thing. <laughs> um, like you got, you got to calm down, everybody. You got to calm down. 
and like watch right. an episode before it's quote ruined. Right. And then it, and it feels like it's such a bizarre space where like whenever I like criticize Rings of Power, just like had a little asterisk in the corner. I'm like, not because there's people of color on it. I just don't like the writing. <laughs> now we have to specify this because of people. Um, and it's just like bizarre loyalty. Emily Carey, who played young Alison Hightower, uh, who is um, a white person. Um, like there were fans harassing her because they're like, oh, well, you're making your character sympathetic. And she deleted her Twitter account. It's like, it's a, this bizarre entitlement to a story. And I'm like, the writers of the story, for better and for worse, like, don't owe you anything. The network doesn't owe you anything. Um, I have the first couple, like, few seasons of Game of Thrones on Blu-ray. I didn't buy the last two. You know, just like, it, just like rationally, like, as someone engaging with the story, it's, it's like, the yeah, bizarre sense of expectation and entitlement um, down to that easily just like goes into like racism and misogyny and homophobia and transphobia and this like entitlement of, well, this story should do this for me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, like, Cargstan1248. No one at HBO knows you exist. <laughs> you and your seven <laughs> followers uh, are going to be just fine. Just. Right. And I, exactly. I will say, I remember when all the shows were coming out, I do remember, I do remember um, the Rings of Power specifically releasing a, a very like clear statement being like, I mean, it was a very professional way of saying, shut the fuck up. If you don't mm -hmm. like what we're doing, don't watch the show because you're not our fan base. And mm -hmm. like, and I thought like, it, I think having watched a lot of things where we've had people like, I like, I love Star Wars, but like, the way that John Boyega and um, Rose Tycho, uh, Kelly, Kelly Pratt, Marie Tran. Tran. Yeah. Kelly Marie Tran. The way that those two like got basically nothing from star Wars in like when it first started getting all the vitriol and like they eventually kind of wrote Kelly Marie Tran's character down to like be basically nothing and gave one of the, gave that role basically like a stand in for her of, I forget it was the dude from lost who like made a random cameo appearance for no reason. Like, when like that could have been her and like so i I did yeah. appreciate at least like rings of power like very 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 explicitly and clearly stating like you all are being racist shut the fuck up and either enjoy the show or don't we don't care um mm -hmm. and i know that like, statements only go so far because it doesn't actively stop people from like bullying people on twitter um, but I at least appreciate that there was that sentiment given how many mm -hmm. people of color I've seen in franchises not get that kind of protection or that get that kind of at least acknowledgement that they are having an experience that is not like some of their coworkers are having. Mm -hmm. I feel like the thing that constantly uh, was crossing my mind around, we were talking earlier about like the art of adaptation. And I feel like one aspect of the art of adaptation is as a producer, right? Like what, um, as, as was mentioned earlier, what choices you make, how you stylize the story, what you keep true to the text, what you change from the text, what it says about you in terms of like what you're changing and what you're keeping. Um, and I think an aspect of adaptation really is evolving with the times. Um, I, I'm thinking of 
like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, which Return of the King, I think, is easily the weakest. I don't know if that's a controversial opinion. Um, but in particular, like towards the, um, is it the end? Sorry, the movie is very long. Um, somewhere past the middle point. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere on the um, back half of a four-hour movie. Um, there's a scene where um, I have no idea who these like people are, but it's um they're on horseback they're like the only brown people in the entire trilogy they have turbans on and they're like with me they're like holy fans and i'm like i'm sorry if you're just going to like change one vowel or whatever also george r martin just like create a new word we're not doing this it's i'm not saying holy font that's ridiculous um and they're they exist in that space just to be weird nameless villains like there's no I have no idea till this day, like who they are. Um, what scene and, is this? Um, this is, I think, before the Black Gate. Black Gate. We'll have, to do, we'll, we'll have to do a viewing party and well, watch and, yeah. watch, and watch the whole yeah. thing and see if we can I, spot it. Because I, 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 mean, I it's, it's been as long as I, since I watched Lord of the Rings that my brain. I'm like, oh yeah, there's like 17 endings in that movie mm-hmm. uh, where you think it's over <laughs> and then you're like, oh wait, no, sit back down. <laughs> we have to cry I mean, a little bit as, as someone goes off into the into the sunset. I will mm-hmm. give I will give you that like I think there are um because what you say just made me think about this. Like I earlier I know I said like, oh well, you know, the series was set up well with that monologue at the beginning, that opening, you know, of like, you know. He, you know, this is what happened. Here's how the rings of were, were power created, and then the war, and then Sauron was, you know, defeated, and yada yada to set everybody up. But I do give you that, like, if I look at the third movie, there were definitely whole groups of people that showed up to like battles that it's like nobody knows who they are. So I, 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 I understand what you're saying with that, like. I know who they are. Right. I understand <laughs> the story of why they're there and the whole thing around them and who all these different groups are and, 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 you know, what, what areas of that world they live in, which would explain why they're dressed the way they are, but nobody else has a goddamn clue. <laughs> right. And I think like when I, um, cause I realized we're near the end of our time. So I'm going to close out my earlier thought where, um, like if you made that trilogy today, the casting choices would not be the same. Um, just down to, even if it's like base PR, even if that's the pure motivator, like that would would not be the case. Um, same thing for the Wheel of Time. Like I, like at the era, even even though I haven't read them, like the era during which those books were published, if the if an adaptation had come out at that point, like would have looked much much whiter, if not entirely white. Um, for House of the Dragon, same thing. When we're looking at um, contextually, there are, I think, four out of the 73 episodes of that show were directed by women. Um, and here in the newer one, you see the difference in terms of, I think, based on the text, the number of, like, traumatic childbirths is, like, really excessive. Um, but there's a lot of very particular details Um like even just like medical details that you're like, okay, well clearly a cishet man did not write this. <laughs> they probably have no idea that like, like an afterbirth is like a thing. Um, 
And that is a shift that's happened in the last few years where they're like, okay, well, we can't have an all-male production team again. And I think part of the part of the art of adaptation is it and honestly, I think I, I don't think any of the listeners to this podcast fall within that group. And I'm like, if you really are that invested um in only white people going to Mordor for whatever reason, like again, like read the original books, or you can even watch the original <laughs> movies because like that's that's the case. Um and I would hope that like as as times change um, and people are going back and like adapting various texts or because nothing ever dies anymore um, when all of these things that we're talking about are rebooted <laughs> at some point <laughs> and whatever the cultural advance, like social advancements that have been made are reflected again. Um, and I also just think on a purely like storyteller level, it just makes it more interesting because there's just a lot of various like perspectives and interpretations of scenes brought by people whose experiences that you don't share. And it just contextualizes a lot of what you read or watched in a way that I just, I think it's more interesting, honestly. And so I think for all three of these shows, like as a, as a closing note, um, there's adaptational choices I really love. Um, there's adaptational choices that are like baffling to me, <laughs> but I think at the end of the day with all of them, um, regardless of my various like levels of enjoyment, I think as a storyteller, it's still really interesting to me to see again, like what they've kept the same, what they've changed and what those changes are reflective of in how the story interacts with like social changes as a whole, which I think is one of the key things of why culture is culture. Um, and why stories are such an important window into um, into cultural change. And yeah, again, I think as a, you know, if, if again, you're very invested in a much narrower worldview, um, you're missing out on some really, really good stories. Um, and if you're watching something or reading something and you're like, oh, I didn't think of, this text or that scene when I read it in this particular way and its reinterpretation is making me uncomfortable, like maybe sit with that discomfort um, and think about why that makes you uncomfortable. And that actually just might also end up as a result, not just giving you a better viewing experience, but also maybe dialing you into becoming a better person. All right. So we're going to do, Two quick things. So first, I'm going to ask everybody a question, and then we'll do a quick shout out of like where where can we find you on the internet if you want to be found. So my question, and you you get like one sentence. We're going to do this rapid fire. If you had to pick some sort of fantasy sci-fi story, can be books, comics, whatever that you want to see get the Amazon HBO treatment, what thing would you want to see? And I'll. I'll go to Chris because I know Chris is going to, I know Chris and I have talked about this, so I know he'll have an answer ready and I'll give the other two of you a chance to, to get there. So Chris, what would, what would, what would you want to see as an adaptation go? What I would want to see versus what I feel like would work is I'm just going to go with the broken earth trilogy by NK Jemison. And yes, just because I'm just so, 
obsessed with what she did as world building as twist um the first book especially obviously i'm not gonna spoil it here but just though that's the one trilogy that i feel like it would be it would be encompassing of all the things we already talked about it becomes enough like culture good storytelling incredible character arcs and twists I mean, I know that's been in and out of like development on different networks. Like, I know it's been bopped around a little bit. So, like, I know she, I know she's shopping it around. I didn't. It know just that. hasn't made traction. It hasn't gotten traction. Um, okay, Andrew, go. What would you do? Okay, well, I have an answer, but I think that if, if I've heard the rumors correctly, it may have been picked up by somebody. It may be actually happening. That's fine. Uh, it has technically already happened, but it was terrible, and so somebody I think is trying to reboot it. Um, you were right. Nothing never dies. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, the Aragon series um, by Christopher Paolini. Um, mm. Yeah. I mean, I I think the storyline is, is really cool and I love it. But like, it just was not done justice when it was turned into a movie. And yep. so I really hope someone's going to pick it up and redo the whole thing. All right. And Akash, what would you what would you get turned into a, a TV show? Uh, I'm going to say the plus one to the Broken Earth trilogy. Mm-hmm. It is fabulous. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't read it, do yourself a favor. They're really, really, really good. If you get put off by the word dystopian in a description, I promise you, don't be put off. It's not like Margaret Atwood level bleak. Um, it's very, very good. Um, I am going to posit uh, She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. Um, it is a queer, uh, gender bent, like reimagining. I think it's the 14th century, um, and it's it's very brutal. So if that's something that puts you off, just like in advance, like there's a lot of like slaughter and stuff. But I guess it's the rise of a new dynasty, so that's going to happen. Um, but it's very good. Um, the writing is impeccable. Um, and I just really, really appreciate the way Shelley Parker-Chan like plays with gender, um, in, in that text. It's a kind of book where I was at the halfway mark and then, I don't know, life was happening. Um, and then I picked it back up like three months later and I have short-term memory problems. Um, and I knew exactly where I left off, exactly what had happened. The writing is that good. Um, yeah, uh, any network or studio that is like okay with blood and will not sanitize it at all. Uh, it's very, very good. I highly recommend it. Um, it's getting a sequel, yeah. so I'm very, I'm very, I'm very curious to see where she's gonna go with it because that has one of my favorite endings of any fantasy book I've ever read. <laughs> so I'm very curious I've... where it's going. Yeah, I feel like I have to add that to my to read pile, which is like 75,000 books like tall at this point. Um, so I think mine, I'm going to cheat, but I'm the host, so I can. Um, I think I'm going to, I'm going to two. One, and this will surprise nobody listening to the pod. It will not surprise Chris in the least. Um, Darker Shades of Magic by V.E. Schwab is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant writing. Um, the world building, the magic, the way that she does everything. It's a, it's a complete trilogy um, queer characters, non-binary characters, like the whole works. It's so good. Um, I I think before a certain author turned out to be a transphobic piece of shit, she used to akin it with that series plus Avatar The Last Airbender. 
and like that was an apt duo to describe it um i forget what she uses now in place of the house of magic that we don't talk about um and then the other one is i think the book that i referenced earlier the series i referenced the Greenbone saga i think that by fonda lee written into a well done tv narrative arc would give so much space for incredible character arcs incredible storytelling it would be so goddamn brutal in like the best ways and i would eat every episode up it would be so good um but yeah so last and final thing um if you would like to be found on the internet where can people find you give us a social i'll put everything in the show notes um but we'll start with akash if people want to find you on the internet where can they find you Hi, everyone. Um, Akash, um, you can find me on um, Instagram at um, Fagitarius underscore JD. Um, and maybe we'll be back on Twitter with the same username if, well, if, you things, know, get, if things get better. Uh, <laughs> if things get better or whatever the replacement that's not Mastodon is. I can't with that one. Um, you can also find my. <laughs> Uh, reviews on a website called thatshelf.com. Uh, my latest piece is an evisceration of the crown season five. So if you want to just read me going off on a show that I hated, you're welcome to, to, to peruse that. Um, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Um, this is lovely and would love to do it again. All right, Andrew, if you would like to be found on the internet, where can people find you? Oh, um, well, uh, you can find me on Instagram or on TikTok uh, at Som Bostonian. Um, Som is S-O-M-M Bostonian. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little play on words, you know, like the sommelier who's a Bostonian. Um, it's all wine related. So like if you want to learn about wine and all that cool stuff, I, I do tons of like videos. I'm on hold at the moment. The holiday season is like the worst time for anybody in wine. Like my days are just the fact that I'm able to do this is a miracle. Um, so but when we hit the new year, there'll be new content. But yes, that is where you can find me. So and this has been a lot of fun. I actually hope that uh, I can join you again. Yeah. And Chris, if, well, I know you like, to, I know you want to be found on the internet because we've, we've put your socials up on previous episodes, but where can people find you on the internet? Yes. Come find me. Um, I'm on Twitter and TikTok. Um, same username, Chris Shidrawi. I'm sure you're going to have the, the names under the pot in the description stuff. Um, if you don't know how to spell my last name, which I don't fault you to that. Um, and yeah. Find mainly on Twitter for now. If you want to see me talk about, you know, writing or TV shows, um, I do just want to say as a final word, I did really enjoy Rings of Power. I feel like we end when we talk about like things like this, we end up talking a little more, focusing on like the negatives a little bit because we're like critiquing things. But I did enjoy like just the overall, like everything about Numenor. I'm just obsessed with. I want like more Numenor, even though we know, you know, what happens to Numenor. But just just saying, um, just as a final thought. But um, again, I really enjoyed um, being back and I'm excited to come back again if you'll have me. Yeah. Well, and again, um, so for me, you can find me on Twitter for now, Instagram, um, whatever platform you are looking for, you can find me at ecrumrine, E-C-R-U-M-R-I-N-E. You can find the podcast on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Mostly it's Instagram stories. I'm going to get better at it. I promise. Uh, It's the, it's at the queer XP. 
And then uh, please like, subscribe, do whatever you need to do on your podcasting platform so you get more of these episodes. Um, we'll be back next week with an actual play. My brain doesn't remember which one is up next on the schedule from when we're recording this, but it will be great. I promise. Uh, <laughs> and tune in once again. My name is Eric. This has been The Queer Experience. And thank you so much for listening.